Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday, November 4th. That was like mid-swallow right as we started. (laughs) This is Elijah Fire episode 127. It's going to be a great episode. I also forgot to mention this yesterday, and I was going to do it yesterday and today, but we're just going to uh, settle for today. And that is that we are starting another series, a teaching series, on Monday, November 7th. That's right. We went right from Cindy McGill's Understanding Your Dreams, and we're going right into the next series, which is all about the fivefold ministry, which is directly from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And I've been saying this on the show for a little while now that we've been operating with a three-fingered hand. And I even argue that it's a two and a half fingers because it's, I, for those who don't know what the fivefold is, it is apostle, prophet, it is evangelist, it is pastor, and it is teacher. So uh, we've eliminated the apostle and the prophet because they make us uncomfortable and we can't understand them and put them in a box. And then you have the outcast of the three, which is the evangelist. And I'm not trying to blast churches. I've just been in the church for a while. And I've seen how this goes. And the uh, the evangelist makes people very uncomfortable. And a lot of times as humans, but even within the church, we try to just fit things into a box so we can make them uncomfortable. And so that's what we're really going to be tackling is getting people to understand this as God is moving and he's uh, reestablishing, a, reestablishing a unified church. I want people to get this fivefold ministry thing. So it's going to be called Fivefold Ministry Explained. And we're going to have DeMonte Edmonds, who's a good friend of the show, good friend of the Elijah List, good friend of Steve Schultz, um, and obviously here at Elijah Fire as well. Great, great gifted teacher. I can speak with a lot of authority on that, especially because he comes from the more apostle arena. Um, so we're going to be getting all into that, you guys. It's going to be a great, great, great series. It's going to be four episodes starting this Monday. November 7th. So it's going to be great. And I'll remind you again at the end of the show. So I would love to have you guys there. It's going to be a great time. Uh, Speaking of great time, today's episode is going to be a great time. So my guest today, for those who don't know, she's an author. She's a revivalist. She's a prophetic teacher. She's a children's minister. And she's also an all around super mom. Uh, let's give it up for my guest today, Harmony Klingenmeyer. Harmony Klingenmeyer, welcome back. Hey, friends. Hey, Jeff. How are hey. you today? Doing fantastic. I've been looking forward to this episode. So uh, we are going to be talking about raising a generation of seers, among other things, but uh, we're really going to be spending some time on there. So I would love to just give it to you. And just let you do your Harmony Klingenmeyer thing, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, I was so excited about what you were saying about the Fightful Ministry and your new series. That's going to be incredible. And Mm -hmm. I want to encourage anyone who is, um, maybe you've never heard of the Fightful Ministry, or if um, you're like, man, I, you know, I'm not sure what kind of government my church has, or, you know, what kind of governments church governments are even biblical. I think this, this series sounds amazing and dive into that topic because God is speaking about his government, Absolutely. the government that he established uh-huh. and it is a fightful ministry government. That's Amen. so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. Exciting. 
Yeah. And it's interesting because the culture of your church is probably going to influence the way you hear some of the words I say today. You know, it, we're talking about Sears. What does that even mean? And depending on the culture of your church, if you have a really prophetic environment in, in your church, that might be a comfortable word for you. If if you're you don't, if you go to a, a maybe a little bit more conservative church or less Pentecostal church, the word seer might be a new word or it might sound weird, like maybe even new agey to you in your mm -hmm. in your ears. And so I just want to address that first and foremost that that the the idea, the concept of a seer is biblical. It comes from, uh, we see it in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And it actually tells us in 1 Samuel, um, let me just pull that up really quick. In 1 Samuel, hmm, I lost my spot. Thanks for being patient, friends. Oh, yeah, you're in, good. <laughs> I got it. In 1 Samuel uh, chapter 9, verse 9, very sim simple explanation. It says, formerly in Israel, if someone wanted to inquire of God, they would say, let us go to the seer because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. Hmm. Now, this idea of a seer, we see it in the Old Testament, is that seers experience the realms of God through sight. So they might have dreams or visions. Um, in my own life, uh, I have experienced, uh, since I was a very little girl, intense visions. So when I was four years old, I, I remember my very first encounter with uh, kind of the second, what we would call the second heaven spiritual realm of angels and demons. Um, happened to me. It was nighttime. I was in bed and I was looking out my window and we lived in this old Victorian home where it had the wide windowsills. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden across this windowsill, I saw the body of a python, of a huge snake. It was very large in my four-year-old mind. Um, and it was moving slowly across the windowsill and there was light shining from the inside of this the body of the snake you know it was nighttime and that's how i could see it and even as a 39 and a half year old i can still so vividly uh -huh. see the body of the snake was there it was real wow it was it, it was with my waking eyes and I just said, daddy, daddy, I just yelled out as, you know, a four-year-old does. And my dad came into the room and I said, there's a snake on my windowsill. I see it. It's there, dad. I see a snake on my windowsill. And my dad immediately rebuked the spirit, commanded it to go in Jesus' awesome. name. And the snake disappeared. Awesome. Since that moment at four years old, I have known that I was a seer that I could see things that other people didn't see because my dad didn't see the snake, but he believed me. Hmm. And that was so powerful to my little girl brain. And actually what I believe about the prophetic, about all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, I, much of it I learned from my parents and my grandparents hmm. that it is the, the privilege of parents to impart and activate the gifts and callings of children in their home. Yeah. And so my parents, they never questioned 
you know, they never thought that was weird, but that was because of their culture, right? Mm -hmm. They they were uh, spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal uh, believers in Jesus. And I had this amazing environment that Papa God gave me where I was honored in my giftings. And, yeah. and so I want to encourage, because that's really what God is doing in this hour. Absolutely. He's bringing it back to the family. Mm. He's restoring the family so that the church can be whole. We yeah. need the family, God's original design for the family to be whole in order for the church to flourish as God wants it to. Yeah. And Amen. so God is calling parents right now to be the ones who raise a generation of seers. Love and that. then, you know, you see break in any time, Jeff, but you yeah. see, you see um really powerful children in the Bible operating in the prophetic. And of course, one of the best examples of that was Samuel, whose mother, one of my heroes in the faith, Hannah, she positioned her child in the presence of God. Mm -hmm. She understood that she had prophetic and a prophetic anointing on her voice and on her choices that would align her child's future with the will of the father. And she used all of her, all the tools God gave her. She used her, for example, her relationship, which wasn't much. It was just a one-time encounter, but she used her relationship to the high priest mm -hmm. to open a door for her son to be trained in the things of God. Mm -hmm. She used her voice in prayer. She prophesied that her child would take a Nazarite vow and serve the Lord all the days of his life. So she was, she herself was strongly prophetic. And then once she had given the, the child to the high priest family to serve the Lord, she prophesied again that her family would arise, that she, she wouldn't just be a woman of Ephraim anymore, but that her family would now be a part of the bigger uh, plan. And what's incredible about that is, you know, the law was really clear on who should do sacrifices. You mm -hmm. know, the law said only of the house of Aaron, only, only these specific men can offer sacrifices in on the altar in the tabernacle of Moses. That's it. And yet and that means Samuel should have never been there. Right. But because of a mother, because of one woman who decided something, she understood something, a law that maybe perhaps it preceded the law of Moses. And I really believe that's the law of the family. Hmm. I believe that she tapped into God's heart for family. And she prophesied that her son would serve the Lord when he had no right to. He had no right to right. offer sacrifices, no right. Mm. to prophesy in Israel that it wasn't meant to be quote unquote. Yeah. But a mother believed. And that is what God is calling mothers to do right now for us and fathers, for us to decide my children, I'm going to create an environment and an atmosphere in my home. I'm going to cultivate my own heart in such a way that my children are going to walk naturally in the things of God. They're going to be positioned 
in the presence of the Lord. And that is really the starting place of raising a generation of seers. You know, it's it's interesting because um, I didn't give birth to any of my children. You guys know my story. Right. Yeah. We are uh, an adoptive family. We've parented 19 children out of foster care. But God handpicked mm-hmm. my sons. You know, so I have one who, who, when he first came to us, he wasn't a dreamer. But over the course, you know, he, he was actually prophesied about and over before he ever came to my home. I was prophesying that my children would walk in the prophetic. I was prophesying that I would raise a generation of, of sons who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I also had other people come to me, like a pastor in my church. And he said, you know, we don't usually prophesy like this. We don't prophesy dates, mates, or babies, right? But I think I'm supposed to tell you that you're going to have a son and he's going to be a prophet to the nations. And I was mm. like, that's accurate. Yeah. I had already, right? I love that. I had already had an open vision. So this is my life. I've spent my life in visions. And a month before Brendan came to live with us, I had an open vision of a little boy, a seven-year-old boy, sitting on the floor in my living room. He was building Legos. His face was turned away from me. And I said to the Lord, who is that? Father, who is that? And he said, that's your seven-year-old son. Hmm. So, so even the presence of these children in my home is because I chose to believe that I am a seer. And now the way I parent them is to empower them to manifest the fullness of God, yeah. whatever God has for them. And it just so happens that Brendan has dream Come on. After dream. Come on. I and I have his, you know, his permission. I'd love to have him on sometime so he oh. can, he could maybe share a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but Brendan, um, for example, Brendan was taken to heaven and hell in a dream. He wow. Yes. He saw heaven, he saw the gates of heaven, and he heard the sound of worship as he was walking up to the gates of heaven and the gates and there were angels coming and going. He told me they were flying away and then coming back to heaven. And he walked in into the gates of heaven and the father and the son were standing there and they were embracing, they were hugging the people as they were coming in through the gates of heaven. And Brendan told me he saw a little girl and she was crying and an angel came and put his hand on her shoulder and she immediately stopped weeping. And, and he said in his, in his way of describing, he said, then the angel took her home. And I thought to myself, okay, there's a couple things that could have been happening here, right? Mm-hmm. A child before the age of accountability that was, you know, brought into, into the gates, brought into the arms of Jesus uh-huh. at the same time, maybe came under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Because they had never had that opportunity to repent, right? Yeah. I don't know all the circumstances, right. but I do know that children go directly into the presence of the Lord. Hmm. And this little girl's experience, and then I thought, you know, could have been anything. It could have been, for example, maybe she was in a car accident and the angel took her back to her body, right? Oh, yeah. And he didn't, he didn't have all the details, you know, because he has a child's mind. 
And so he just said, and then the angel took her home and she was full of joy and peace. And it was just this beautiful picture of like restoration and wholeness. And, and then he said to me, and then all of a sudden a hand grabbed me from behind and pulled me. And I felt myself sinking down. I was being pulled down. And all of a sudden I was standing in front of the gates of hell. Oh man. And he said, and the gates were broken. Okay. And, you know, this is a young, a young person who has, you know, he has some experience with scripture because I, I teach him, but he's sure. no biblical scholar. Right. Yeah. But what he's saying is, is biblical, right? Yeah. Jesus busted up hell, <laughs> right? He busted up the gates of Hades. And, and my son is telling me this. He's like, the gates are broken, mom. They're broken open. And I heard the sound of suffering. And I, I, I went inside and the first person I saw was Judas. Oh. He said, I saw his body was broken because he committed suicide. And he was weeping and he was in suffering. And then all of a sudden, the father and the son were with me. This is Brendan telling me, right? All of a sudden, the father and the son are with me and they're filled with righteous indignation because it was the enemy. He was like, it was Satan mom who had grabbed me. <laughs> and, and they came to punish Satan for messing with me. Oh. And he said the father stepped up to Satan and slapped Satan across the face and Satan flew through the air. This is in his dream now, right? Mm. He flew through the air mm. and he said, don't mess with Brendan. And he woke up just like that. Ew. And so my son is telling me this, right? Now, the environment that we're cultivating in our home is an environment where this is, this is the norm. This is, this is acceptable. This is normal. So now we're going to talk through it, right? Right. Okay, what do you think the Lord is saying? What, what, you know, what, what was he showing you in heaven? Well, he was showing me how when people come into heaven, he embraces them. Like they immediately like get hugs from God. Like they mm -hmm. come face to face with God. Right. So he's talking about this intimate connection and how all the tears, the scripture does not say that people do not cry in heaven. It says that God will wipe all the tears from their eyes in Revelation, right? So he said, that's it. God was comforting the little girl. He was wiping all the tears from her eyes and giving her peace and joy. He said, and I, when I was in hell, I, I was, so, he was like, he was saying to me, I felt so convicted to tell people about Jesus because we don't want anyone to go there. We don't want them to suffer for eternity. We want them to have a relationship with Jesus. And mm. so we need to tell people to repent. This is what my child was wow. telling right? Yeah. And he said, and also, if the enemy messes with the children of God, God punishes the enemy for messing with the children of God. Now, this is just the, the, the uh, spiritual encounter of a child. Mm -hmm. Right. And of course, if there's anything in our encounters that don't align with the word, maybe they're processed through a, an emotion or processed through a wound that can happen. Right. Um, we would we would draw attention to that and say, you know what? Our encounters are amazing, but we're always going to judge them based on scripture. 
So we did that. Brendan and I went through, we talked about how Jesus led captivity captive, that he broke down the gates of hell and, and he, he arrested authority from the enemy. We talked about how God comforts, how God wipes away the tears, how God brings joy, all those pieces. So we judge the word that we receive through encounter by the scripture. That's a very important part. But I just wanted to share that as an encouragement to parents. Your children will prophesy to you if you create an atmosphere in your home where that is the norm, that is acceptable. And I even like, you know, I like to teach my kids about the different ways that God speaks. Yeah, it's important. So they begin to experience and expect that. In, it, it's interesting because um, Brennan has seen Jesus many times in dreams. Wow. And so he he shared a dream. He said, Mom, I had a dream about you. And I mean, the minute Brennan says, I had a dream. I know God's about to speak, right? Mm -hmm. So my heart is open to receive. And it's so powerful when your children minister to you. Mm. <laughs> it's so powerful. Just ministers to your mama heart so much when your children come to you and say things that God said about you. Mm. So I say, well, I'm excited. Tell me about it, right? And he says, well, it was about your your logo. Your hear, hear Their Voices logo. He said, I need one of those shirts because Jesus wears your shirt, mom. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, what? Oh. Jesus, why does Jesus even care about my logo? But I was like, okay, okay. Tell me more about this. He said, okay, well, I was having this dream and I was in a, I was in a jungle. It was, there was plants everywhere and trees and there was a river and I could hear the sound of water. Now, where was he? He was, he was in the garden. He was having a garden encounter. With God, like the Garden of Eden. But mm -hmm. in his brain, he described it as like a jungle, right? And he said, and the sound of water, there was peace everywhere because of the sound of water. The sound of water wow. brought peace. And all of a sudden, Jesus walked up and he was wearing your shirt, mom. He was wearing your shirt to hear their voices and it had the little, the little megaphone on it. And he said, you know, Brennan, I really love your mom's logo. I love it because I want people to listen to one another. And I, I wear your mom's merch. That's what Jesus said. To, really a uh, very Gen, Gen, Gen Alpha, Gen Z. Sort uh -huh, of yeah. uh, I wear your mom's merch. And, and Brendan said, as I was looking at him, your logo began to glow. And there was light coming off of your logo. And, and so what did we do? We sat down, we talked about that. Like God cares about everything we care about. He's so intimately acquainted with everything that we say and do and our hearts and our, and our motives. He knows what drives us. He knows what's happening inside of us. And he just came to, to, to love on me. He, he spoke to Brendan to tell me a message, to send a message to my heart that Jesus loves the work that I'm doing with families, mm. that Jesus loves how I'm empowering people to hear one another and to use their voices. And what's so mm. powerful is as I teach my kids that they can operate in the gifts of God, in the, in the character and nature of God, 
more than just the gifts, quote unquote, but all of who God is, what I'm really doing is I'm allowing them to use their voices. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So really quick, I want to, and maybe I'm getting ahead of something that you're planning on talking about, but um, I'm just curious to see where this is going to go. Um, so obviously this is very much what you've been talking about is, is raising up um, a generation, young ch you have young children, uh, but I know, I haven't seen the comments, but I know there's going to be some people whose children are grown up and moved out who are really resonating with this message or maybe feel a sense of hopelessness because they're like, ah, oh, I blew sure. it. I blew it. So that's the first one. So I'd love to hear what you have to say for, for women, parents in that situation. But then also, because I think as uh, young people, I know when I was younger, I used to blow off messages like this. Cause it's like, ah, it doesn't apply to me. Peace. You know? Sure. So, so what, what does it take away for someone who doesn't have kids? Isn't planning yeah. on having kids for the next 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would love to hear um, what you have to say in regards to those two avenues. Well, I think there's a legacy mentality, and that sounds a little bit Christianese. So let me explain what I mean. There's this idea that all people are called to build a legacy or an inheritance for the next generation. Okay. And it's definitely the way that I think. Sure. Uh, even if I didn't have kids, I would still be I, I would still be working with the next generation because I'm called. We're all, in fact, mm -hmm. we're all called friends. We're all called to build something lasting. It's like when the great architects of Europe built their cathedrals, they built them to last. They built these beautiful structures that we, maybe a th some of them are more than a thousand years old, would go and visit them, look upon them, uh, love what we see, enjoy the beauty, and it would last. And we could look upon it. And so I, I'm speaking to people who have no kids, you know, this isn't, this isn't necessarily about the children that you're parenting right now in your home. Mm -hmm. It's also about you becoming aware of who you are. Yeah. Both spiritually that, that I'm not, um, you know, Jeff and I, and I see Chris Alicia's on here. Hi, sis. Woo! Hey. <laughs> um, and I'll use Chris Alicia as an example. You know, yeah. some of us come from families where there's lots of Jesus and some of us come from families where there's a little bit of Jesus and some of us come from families where there's no Jesus. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're the first person to give your heart to Jesus, right? But the truth is um, anyone who wants to encounter God in this way, maybe you're one of those people that never dreams or maybe you're plagued with bad dreams. Maybe you're listening to my stories about Brendan and you're thinking, like I have thought at times in my life, boy, I'd love to have a good dream. Hmm. I'd love to have a dream where God spoke to me. But instead, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having all these nasty dreams. I'm having these bad dreams. I'm mm -hmm. processing my broken heart. I'm processing rejection from my childhood or I'm processing abuse in my dreams. And I just want freedom and healing. Well, God is here. Papa God is here today and he wants to heal you and he will mm -hmm. heal you. Abba God wants to release your identity today as a mm -hmm. son or a daughter. He wants to minister to your heart and bring healing to your heart in the area of your, your belonging. 
um, of your importance in his kingdom, of your importance in his family. Each one of you is valuable. Amen. And if you are tormented in dreams, the enemy is, is actually, he's using what God intended right now. There's, there might be some open doors that Abba wants to close and some healing he wants to bring Amen. so that the gift that is clearly in you can be refined and purified and God can begin to speak through your dreams because you already are a seer. Mm. If you're a person who's having demonic dreams, the enemy just hijacked what God meant mm -hmm. for his glory and your good. A lot of times um, we will experience attack in the very area where God has called us to walk in authority. Come on. Absolutely. And so if we're, you know, if we're having bad dreams, the truth is Papa God wants to speak to you through your dreams. That's if right. addiction is part of your family line, first of all, God created you with a nature to be addicted to his presence, mm -hmm. to be the bringer of his presence. And, and actually addiction is just a counterfeit for encounter. God intended for you to have incredible euphoric experiences in the presence of the living God, where you see him face to face. And once you taste of that, it will break the power of natural addictions in your life because it is so good. It is so, it tastes so good. It feels so good to be in his presence. The things that the enemy meant to destroy your family line actually reveal where God wants to use you to break darkness in culture. So there's, there's a cultural issue of addiction. Hello, we know we just had um, Halloween and there was all this fear about fentanyl being in our children's candy. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. That is, uh, it just grieves me deeply on a, on a parent level, on a, mm -hmm. a mama heart level. Yeah. Uh, but it reveals how the enemy is, is using addiction, this counterfeit to the encounters that we can have in the presence of God, where we see the eyes like fire, where we come face to face with him. He's raising a generation that has never drank from his well, but only knows the counterfeit of addiction. Mm. And church, I'm speaking to the church right now. Church, we need to be offering something better. That's right. So right now, you know, whether you have children or not, God is inviting you into more of who he is. Like John mm -hmm. the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. He's wooing you. He's pulling you into encounter with him so that you can go up to the heavenlies with Jesus so that you can have dreams and visions where the father speaks to your heart. So you can have clarity about the call of God on your own life. And then you can begin to mentor, mm -hmm. to pour into others, whether they're your children, whether it's a single mom who lives a couple apartments away from you, right? Whether it's someone who just came off the street into your ch church building, whether it's somebody that you see in the grocery store or a good friend that you know needs Jesus, you have an opportunity to build the cathedral of God's goodness That's right. that will last for generations. Yeah. And that comes first, like Jeff mentioned at the beginning, with identity. Yeah. 
understanding that being a seer or being prophetic is not just for special people. Having dreams and visions is not just for the super Christian. That's right. Right. Encountering his voice, being intimate with his voice is not just for the best believers. (laughs) His voice is just part of being in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And that is for you today. So I, I just, yeah. I just speak that over every single person that's li- listening. Mm. Sometimes, yeah. I'm sure Jeff, you would agree with this. When we are hurting, it's almost like, you know, when you're on the airplane, you can't put an oxygen mask on someone else until you get the oxygen mask on your own face. Mm-hmm. They instruct you to take care of yourself first. And why is that? Because if you're broken, it's very hard to bring healing to someone else. You know, we we can say, you know, oh, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. But unless we believe that Jesus loves us, those people are not going to experience the tangible love of God through us. Yeah. It has to be our reality. So when it comes to the things of God, encountering the Lord, it's really about you in the intimate place, encountering Jesus first, mm. and then inviting others, whether it's your children, your teenagers, your little babies, or whether it's your nieces and nephews, or whether it's your friends. Maybe you, you get a few people together, and you're talking about the things of God, and you, you invite them into an encounter with Jesus in your home. Whether it's like I say, you know, you get a word of knowledge for someone on the street or in the grocery store, you're extending what God is doing within you. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of like uh, partaking of pineapple, Hawaii gold pineapple, which is so good. And you've tasted it and mm-hmm. you know how good it is. And so you can then go to everyone else and go, try this. It is amazing. Now, if you had never tried it before and you were going, Harmony, try this. It's amazing. It hits different and you know it hits different because yeah. you've never had it before. So I, the thing I love, and I was saying to the, this to you backstage, but the thing I love about you, because you're all about family. That's like, I mean, you're obviously called to be a parent, you and your husband called to be parents. Amazing, amazing parents, gifted. You guys have such a, an anointing for teaching on this. But the thing I love about you is that you always talk about identity. And so for those of you who may be passed on her um, Kitchen Table Kingdom series that we did, because we do teaching series, everybody, they're in the playlist, series number three. Um, and you passed on it because you said, I'm not a parent, it doesn't apply to me. I would really encourage you, because I'm not a parent, and I got so much out of that. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. She's talking a lot about identity, like, Mm -hmm. like, like a Mm -hmm. lot. And that's the thing that's amazing about your teachings is that they're very um, applicable no matter what stage of life you're in, because Mm -hmm. it's best to start creating that culture now before you have children. No, don't write it off and go, uh, when I have kids someday, then I'll do this stuff. Um, It's kind of like slightly different, but it's kind of like. Uh, the lie of uh, that men do where they go, oh, I'll deal with my lust, lust issue when I get married. Oh, no, buddy. Nope. Sorry. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't no, work doesn't. that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and so um, it's best to invest in this stuff now to start mm-hmm. applying what you're talking about now, even if it's amongst yes. maybe you're a youth leader and you got 
young guys or young girls that you're that you're mentoring. Yes. Perfect yes. opportunity, right? To yes. start implementing this stuff. Yeah. Yes, be because the truth is there's a whole generation of children who don't have parents like us. Right. right? They they don't have parents like I had. Right. Who who my mom at 11 years old told me I was called to the prophetic. You know, my grandfather who 11 years old started teaching me how to study the original language of the scripture. Most most young people don't have parents and grandparents like that. So who's going to parent them? Are there any volunteers on here today? That's what I want to say. Yeah. Are there any volunteers who might like to step up in the life of a child today? Hmm. Because the truth is, even if you're not a parent, a God is actually calling out to his people to all to, I would say the, the baby boomer generation, the Gen X's and the millennials right now, he's crying out to his people who will rise up in the spirit of adoption and begin to pour out. And the truth is my generation needs more parenting. Mm -hmm. We're not quite ready. And the reason we're not, we're not fully baked yet. Yeah. And you'll, you'll notice we're it. Par baked. I mean, yeah. yeah. Jeff and I will be honest. There's yeah. some, I sometimes am, I'm, I deal with my own immaturity. Sure. Oh. And I'm like, why am I immature in that area? Why yeah. am I still Ooh, that was that? ugly. Yeah. 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 And, and I, immediately I'm like, oh, I need some parenting in that area. Mm. I need some more discipline in that area. So I'm going to let, mm. because, you know, I, I do have a, an amazing spiritual father and I have awesome um, mentors in my life who speak into my life. So they do that. And my parents who are amazing. Yeah. But the truth is I'm an adult. So I go to the presence of the living God and I allow him to parent me. But mm. there are times when I think, oh, that is, it's a symptom of my generation. Mm. Hello, any other millennials out there in your yep. life? Yeah, that's me. Amen. There's some there's a, some emotional immaturity in our generation. And the reason you, you, people are like, oh, I'm super spiritual. Probably, no, probably not. <laughs> to be honest, um, your spiritual maturity, it hits a cap mm -hmm. when you will not allow yourself to emotionally mature. Ooh, yeah. You can't, because daddy God's so kind. He's like, daughter and son, listen to my voice. If I allow you to go farther than your emotional maturity, there's, excuse me, your uh, foundation is going to give out. Oh yeah. It's danger town. You got problem, problem city right there. So yeah, it's like the character issue, right? The, if, if your giftedness has outgrown your character, you're, you've got a problem mm -hmm. and, and your, your ministry will end up imploding. I remember it was last November. The Lord spoke to me a whole year ago. He said, Harmony, you've hit the cap of your emotional maturity. Actually, I just realized I did it again. Like I do it on a regular basis because the Lord's like, he's teaching me. He's saying, daughter, okay, you hit your cap. Are you ready to grow? So there's a few things right here that I want to deal with with you. I'm going to heal you. It's oh. not condemnation. It's not judgment or shame. He's saying, daughter, I want to parent you there. We're not going any farther. First, we got to parent this. First, we got to bring healing here. And then we're going to soar again. And then we're going to, we're going to probably hit another cap uh -huh. and then we're going to grow together. And then we're going to soar. And mm -hmm. this, we have to allow ourselves in this process, even as we develop, you know, our spiritual gifts in the prophetic, in, in our ability to see in the spirit realm, we need to allow God to emotionally mature us. Mm -hmm. And, and when we hit a, a tough spot, maybe we hit an offense. 
my friend Audrey and I were just talking about this. If you hit a fence, you've hit the cap of your emotional maturity. <laughs> and Abba's like, let's raise the let's raise the cap, daughter. Let's yeah. raise the cap, son. Mm -hmm. But first, we have to grow here. We have to allow me to parent you. Yeah. Allow Holy Spirit to parent you. And when when he when we say yes, yes, Papa, you can parent me in this area. Yes, you can convict me. Yes, you can change me. Yes, I'm ready to be humble. What just happened? The cap is lifted, mm. and up we go. I love it. So, and that's his protection. So the first rule of parenting is safety. It's my job to keep you safe and it's your job to keep it safe. That's what I say to my kids. I love that. Papa God is saying the same thing. He's saying, I'm keeping you safe and I'm keeping my sheep safe. If you're a leader, right? I'm only going to increase your, your spiritual authority as you emotionally mature so that my sheep stay safe too. Mm -hmm. So that I see that happening in our generation. So my point with that was, we have the generations, the baby boomers, the Xers, and the millennials, all parenting, all of parenting age. The boomers are now grandparents, right? Uh, but actually, we need the baby boomers to continue to parent us. And, and as, as we do that, as the generations rise up, we're going to see healing in the Gen Zs and the Gen Alphas. But we're going to need parents you know, we're going to need some people to choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Harmony, you're actually talking uh, directly in line with a prophecy. I released a prophetic word. I released on here. I think it was early, early this year wow. about baby boomers. And I said, even some of the older Gen Xers mm -hmm. that there are people within my generation, our generation, and then Gen Z who actually need parenting and that you're actually we need you we need your your wisdom we need your mm -hmm. guidance and and some of us don't have that yeah in our lives yes. um you know and uh and so i um and obviously my i i have some great parents praise the mm -hmm. lord who yes. are very involved in my life um mm -hmm. so i wasn't necessarily talking about myself but there are plenty of people but even then i would say even then like there are areas that maybe I um, maybe I do need to grow in that I ha wasn't able to learn from my parents. Yeah. And God wants us to succeed. He wants us to grow. He wants us to develop. So, I mean, this word goes right in line with that. I always like to remind people because I do know I have some boomers. I have some older Gen Xers watching this show as well. Praise the Lord. Um, and we have a nice eclectic group on here. And um and so this is a really good word for that. And so really just encouraging. Uh, oh, yeah. Jim Jim said it was in April. In April, I said that. Um, it's just to encourage them, like, look around you. Yeah. Look around you, around the, the people in your life. And there are going to be some people there that God has positioned there. Yes. And if there isn't, maybe you've created an island unto yourself and that it's time to be a little bit more vulnerable because it is going to require vulnerability. It's going to require exactly. vulnerability for us, letting somebody parent us. Yes. And then vulnerability for that person to step out and actually share their wisdom, yes. guidance. Yeah. It takes humility. And the Lord is speaking a lot on humility right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a there's my my generation is very gifted. The, the millennial generation is very gifted, uh, very strong in the things of the spirit, uh, you know, technologically savvy, 
uh, we're good at a lot of things. The the millennials are a strong generation. Mm -hmm. We're also self all about self-advocacy, using our voices and justice. So there's a lot of things about the millennials that I love, right? But it it takes a a different type of mindset. It takes a new perspective to say, hey, actually, there's a whole there's a whole skill set I don't have. There's a whole um, area of my heart that's underdeveloped right now because because, you know, that was missing in my childhood or Mm -hmm. um, or I. I've been afraid or I've been prideful or arrogant and didn't want people to know I wasn't strong in that area. And so I haven't allowed anyone to speak into that area of my life. It takes humility and, and it takes contentment. And those words, the Lord has been speaking to me a lot. Are you content with what I have given you? Mm. Are you grateful with what I've given you? There's like a, an insatiable hunger in my generation. And we see this in the spike of addiction. Addiction is a is one of the symptoms of a a heart that is not content, that can never be satisfied. So, and if you if you're in a position, maybe you're a millennial, or maybe you're a Gen X, or a baby boomer, you're listening to me right now, and you're like, you know, those those millennials, they don't want to be parented. There's so much arrogance there. You know, I've heard that from from the older generation, and I just want to say, on behalf of my generation, I'm sorry. We mm. we ask your forgiveness yeah. because we we haven't honored your wisdom. We haven't honored our parents as God has called us to. And if you don't honor your mother and your father, you walk in a curse. Mm-hmm. And that's part of that. the right. That's part of the issue that the millennials are dealing with right now. We're dealing with what we have sown. Mm-hmm. We've sown disrespect, and so our children do not respect us. Mm. We've sown arrogance, and so our children are arrogant. Mm. And if we want to see that broken out of the next generation, it begins with us. Yeah. I tell people all the time, and this is obviously it applies to people with children, but it doesn't just apply to people with children. The root is never in the child. The root is always in the parenting. Yeah. So if you have an issue, you know, we cannot always look to the, you know, exterior. We must allow God to deal with us. So I I say this to baby boomers. I say, baby boomers, you know, fathers and mothers, grandparents, we love you. Mm-hmm. But if you see an issue in the younger generation, it's time for you to rise up and prophesy different. Amen. Baby boomers, it's time for you to step up. It's not time for you to, to get out of Dodge, to retire and go to Florida. <laughs> it's time for you to, to mentor the next generation of mothers and fathers, like it says in the book of Titus. It's time for you to rise up and teach us what does it look like to build beautiful homes. You know, that that idea from Titus, a lot of women find it um, insulting or, or belittling or demeaning. The truth is there's nothing more valuable in this world than a home that is full of the presence of God, that is full of the love of a father and mother. Mm-hmm. And moms, we have this amazing charge. We've been given this amazing charge from the scripture to build beautiful homes. Now they don't have to all look the same, right? It doesn't have to all look the same. And there's no shame. If you're a working mama, I'm a working mama. And we, God is calling women to the mountains of society as well. So there's no shame or guilt in this. But the truth is we need a generation of older women who will teach us. I have this little, you know, recipe box. (laughs) 
And my mom bought it for me because she has a recipe box. And in her recipe box, she has handwritten recipes from my grandmother. And to be honest, I wanted those ones. <laughs> I wanted those recipes from my grandmother. So what did my mom do? She went online and she looked for the recipe box that my grandmother had when she was a child. She looked for an antique recipe box, bought it for me, and hand wrote all the recipes. Oh, the wow. That's... Put them, right? Put them yeah. inside the recipe box and gave it to me as a gift on Christmas. Oh, I will tell you, it's one of the mo most, my most precious possessions. And when my mom is in heaven, I will open that recipe box and see her beautiful handwriting. Oh. And that is why we do what we do. That is why God is calling us not to say, well, I'm not a parent. It's time for us to rise up because somebody can be looking at your handwriting in 20 years and saying, this person changed my life. They wrote out prophetic words over my life and gave them to me. Mm. They spoke into my life. They were present when I was struggling. They mentored me when I was broken. They saw the value in me when I was living like, like hell. Yeah. I was living like hell was inside of me. Yeah. When I had, when I was tore up from the floor up, as Krista says, you know, when I had, when I had uh, visitors, when I had people visiting, as in I was carrying demons, right? Mm -hmm. People saw me. Th that's the legacy that God is calling you to leave, to build mm. in this season and then leave for the next generation. Well, and I also want to provide a little bit of encouragement too, just a situation, a, a, a quick story. James McBride in the comments, a lot of people know that he is somebody that I consider a friend, yes, but in a lot of ways a mentor. And it happened through our love of Star Wars. He was an extra in Star Wars. And he was like, he got a hold of my email and he was like, hey. And so then we just started talking and that's that was the entry point. So for those that are like, oh, but yeah, like I have all this stuff inside of me. I want to mentor them in the things of God, yeah. but I'm like, I'm just not sure. There is going to be some measure of a point of contact. It may be yeah. as easy as, hey, tell tell me what the Lord's doing in your life right now. Yeah. Or uh, hey, can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? But it might yeah. be, hey, cool shirt. You know, that yeah. reminds me of such and such. I got a cool story I want to tell you, you know, and, and it could be. Yeah. So it's it, there's going to be a myriad of ways that God is going to open those doors. And also for those of you who maybe can't get, this is a desire on your heart. This is something I was thinking about. Um, it's a desire on your heart but you are stuck at home. Maybe you, yeah. uh, you have a hard time walking or you, yeah. that's what this community is about. That's what yeah. Elijah fire is about as well. There are tons of young people on here that watch this show who yes. are in need of it. And God's going to highlight those people. So I would just encourage you to just start engaging with people online. Yes. If it's in the comment section, mm -hmm. if somebody's asking for prayer, be the first person to say, I got you. Yes. You know, yes. and that's a good first step. Yeah. And you know what? You might be looking at me and thinking, well, she's got lots of spiritual mentors. She probably doesn't need any more. She doesn't need more wisdom or she doesn't need this or she doesn't need that. People, people judge me a lot by, you know, the way I speak or the way I appear or whatever, either good or bad. Yeah. They're like, it's Harmony's possible. fine. She's yeah. <laughs> sometimes they say Harmony's fine. And sometimes they say, you know, other things, yeah, but, I know but that's, just, that's honest, right? That's, that's the internet for you. Yeah, but yeah. the truth is I went to a, 
uh, conference, um, Kristen Alicia and I did this amazing women's conference, the Arise Conference, and we did one in um, Tennessee, and then we did one in Colorado. And when I was in Tennessee, I met these amazing people, Papa Rick and Mama Serena, and they watch every single Elijah Fire. So I'm sure Aww. they're on here or they will later. Uh, they love Elijah Fire. And, you know, I've got spiritual parents. I've got my own parents who are spiritual parents to me, amazing parents. And then I have Pastor Craig and Pastor Lynn. They're not married, but they're both on staff at our church. And they are like spiritual parents to me. Definitely mentors in my life, pouring into me continually. Um, and, and yet I met these people, these amazing people, Papa Rick and... Mama Serena, beautiful hearts, clearly carrying a fathering and mothering anointing. And my heart just loved them immediately. And of course, they embraced me and they, you know, they came to my first Kitchen Table Kingdom class online and they brought other people with them and they're going to do a Kitchen Table Kingdom small group and they're amazing. And they clearly they're cheering and championing what God is doing in my life mm -hmm. as parents would do. The truth is, People, we need each other. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole generation of, of men and women like myself who aren't as blessed as I am. Right. I have lots of amazing people who love me and speak into my life. And I'm so, so, so blessed. But the truth is not everyone has what I have. Not everyone has the, um, the circle of love around them. And you can be that. Whether, whether you strike up a conversation online I also really, I encourage you, the local church is full of young women and young men who are, who they don't know where to turn. They, they're struggling, their addiction, they're addicted to pornography, like mm -hmm. right now, as we speak, yeah. they're struggling with, you know, issues with their families. They're, they're struggling to make ends meet because of how costly life is right now. You know, they need your help. They yeah. need your love. They need Absolutely. your presence. So not just online, but go to your local church and it doesn't matter if they want it or not get in their world, <laughs> like invade their world with your love, invade their world with your, with your presence. Say, Hey, I'm taking you to lunch. No, I'm not asking your permission. Come on, let's go. You know, get in the car. We're going to go have coffee. You know, tell me about your kids. Tell me about your work. Tell me about whatever and listen to them. It's one of the things I wrote down that's so important that we do with our children. When we're discipling someone is to listen to them. That's so huge. It's huge. People don't feel heard. Yeah. And, and a huge piece of spiritual discipleship has got to be saying nothing and listening well and asking questions so that gets them talking more mm -hmm. right yeah so when you're, you're discipling someone when you want to teach them to walk in the things of the spirit listen to them yeah. ask them questions get them talking it's so so important it makes people feel so heard and Amen. safe and it's you know it builds that connection yeah yeah and i can say that's that's been a huge thing within um, even just the, the, my own parents, my in-laws, my, even my spiritual parents that I have um, all of them are great listeners. And I think that makes a huge difference. And it's not just like letting us run our mouths, but it's a two way street too. Right. Um, and, yes. and then, and then you begin to hear what they have on their heart and what God is doing on their heart. Cause it's not just this top down thing. But no. there is a recognition of 
um, there is a recognition of uh, some some degree of mentorship, you know, Absolutely. between them and yourself. Um, and then also too, it's really made me kind of, I would say, you know, hearing you talk about it made me think about, there were areas when I was younger and I would mentor people um, that I can see that I was just listening to them to, to, for a response, like in getting ready for my response to what they were going to yeah. say. And, and, yeah. you know, it's like, it wasn't, I don't want to look down on everything that I did. I think there was a lot of good. God did a lot of good. Um, but there were times, especially with people that maybe I didn't get along as well with, you know, when I was yeah. in missions and, and, sure. um, and, and, and so it's, it's good to look at those and then go, okay, how can I do different? Yes. Um, and I think also just realizing me being heard, me feeling heard by my mentors and parents <laughs> made me realize, oh, that really means a lot. And so doing, being able to do that for other people as well. Yeah. You know, you know, you can't force people to be mentored by you. Mm. You can't force people to become your spiritual child. Yeah. <laughs> you can't force people to receive wisdom from you. They, they have to be, um, their hearts have to be positioned. And the way we position people's hearts to receive truth from us is to love them well. Yeah. To be present yeah. in their lives, right? When they're struggling, we're present. When they need forgiveness, we're ready to, to, you know, teach them how to come into the presence of the living God. You know, there's this, the process of, of building a trust relationship with someone so that they want to hear our opinions about things, if we're not willing to be present in their lives, you know, eat when they're, when they're hurting, when they're struggling, when they're mad, when they're wrong, when they're wrong to be present with them, to love them. Yeah. Um, they're not going to, they're not going to want to hear us. So that this is really important in mentorship. And it, when you are like, you know what, I want to be a spiritual mom. I want to be a spiritual dad. Okay. That doesn't happen overnight. Right. That is a process. You earn the right to parent someone. You earn the right to mentor them by, by investing in their lives. Absolutely. So there's the responsibility of the mentor is to be trustworthy, to protect the relationship, to speak life, mm -hmm. to believe in that person, even when they're you know, broken, even when they're hurting, you, you see, you know what I'm saying? Like the, there's this attitude that mentors need to have and spiritual parents need to have. It's like, I'm here to give and I don't need you to tell me I'm your spiritual parent. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to tell me I'm your mentor to pour into you. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to give. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Titles don't matter. Position doesn't matter. What matters is what did God send me on assignment here to do? And that is to love you and to help you become all that God called you to be. Mm -hmm. I think about Barnabas. Barnabas is such a great example of this from scripture. You know, we know he was an apostle, but for a long time, nobody Nobody ever said Barnabas was an apostle. Barnabas was a servant. Barnabas loved. Barnabas, you know, he stuck up for, for Saul before he was Paul. Mm -hmm. He stuck up for Saul when nobody would have anything to do with him. Mm -hmm. He was like, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm, who am I? But these guys over here, they're my spiritual dads. So I'm going to take you to them, right? 
-hmm. So what did he do? He opened the door that he had access to. Yeah, that's good. So that Saul could walk through and become Paul. Wow. Yeah. And and when Saul was in Tarsus on a, a long vacation because people were trying to kill him and he wasn't fulfilling the call of God in his life, the apostles sent Barnabas on assignment. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. But not to Tarsus. They sent him to Antioch. But Barnabas was thinking, you know what? That's not very far from Tarsus. You know what I think I'm going to go do? I'm going to go get that Saul out of early retirement. (laughs) And take him over to to Antioch, and I'm going to make sure that he becomes who God called him to be. Mm. Now, what's interesting is Paul never gives him any credit. Throughout all the the epistles, you know, their their relationship ended in some, some strife. They had differing opinions about John Mark, right? Because what did Barnabas want to do? He wanted to show John Mark mercy. Because that's who Barnabas was. Barnabas showed Saul mercy when nobody else would. Hmm. So when John Mark made a, a, a bad move and decided to, to go back to Jerusalem instead of staying with Paul, he made the wrong choice. But, but Barnabas wanted to reconcile them to each other. That was Barnabas's heart. And, and Paul wasn't willing. And it caused a split in their relationship. But the truth is, if it wasn't for Barnabas, I don't know that we would have those 13 epistles. He was the one who went and got Saul out of Tarsus, brought him to Antioch, helped him first to become a teacher and a prophet. And then the teachers and prophets of Antioch anointed them both and sent them out to do the work of the ministry. And it was because of Barnabas. So this is the role of the mentor. The role of the mentor is to value, to see what what God is doing in a person, to rightly discern the call of God upon their lives and to position them in the presence of God and to help them develop the calling and the giftings and the assignments on their lives, whether or not they ever get any praise. Mm. Right now I know because I, because I preach on Barnabas all the time. 2000 years later, there's this person named Harmony talking about Barnabas. (laughs) And Barnabas's story will not be forgotten on my watch. Yeah. Because we need a whole generation of Barnabases in the church. Mm, That's good. We need mentors, spiritual parents. So whether you have kids or not, God is asking you, are you willing to be a Barnabas to that single mom? Who, she can't get any ministry done because she's got three kids and she's working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And she she needs somebody to watch her kids so she can go to a Bible study herself. Yeah, that's good. Right? She mm-hmm. needs somebody to step up in her life so she can develop who she is in the spirit realm. And and if somebody doesn't step up, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And that's why we need Barnabases. Yeah. And, and I, th- Yeah. And I think that too, there are going to be times where you are the pathway connecting that God is using to connect someone from one arena to another. And then sometimes you are the coach 
in that arena where they are. And so it's okay. not to be like, oh, I'm going to be a, I'm, that's all I'm good for is, well, it, it's not, I, it's not that black and white, but yeah. being okay with being the person that just opens the door for somebody or just is the vehicle. Hey, hop in the car. Let's go over here. I want you to meet somebody. And then, right. and then that, that was all you did, you right. know? Um, right. I, I think that it's very, it's, it's very colored in that arena in that regard so yeah because you know you think about i always like to talk about billy graham right he's one mm -hmm. of my favorite people mm -hmm. and um for a couple of different reasons you know his mom never got any but uh, i mean there's no record that she saved souls that she won souls right but yeah. she gets all the fruit yeah <laughs> he raised billy graham right right and this is what I'm saying. Like, who's ready to raise a Billy Graham? Hmm. Because it doesn't matter if anybody knows your name. Right. It doesn't matter. It only, it only matters to the orphan that people know their names. Because they haven't yet connected, connected their heart to Papa God's heart. Hmm. They haven't yet connected in that place of belonging and safety and love. And so they're running around in ministry. They've built themselves an idol because they're looking for one thing and that's belonging. It's the arms of a father. And that's why people are like, well, I need to get credit or I need to do this or I need to, you know, I need to be on the stage or I need to be in the pulpit. Why do they need those things? Why did I need those things for years? Hello. Let's talk about myself. Yeah. Why did I need that? Because I didn't know how valuable I was. I That's didn't know so that good. I belonged. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. And so people don't want to be Barnabas. They want to be Paul. People want the praise. People want the, uh, the, the, um, the awards, the rewards. But the truth is, I believe, first of all, I believe that Barnabas wrote the book of Hebrews. There's no historical documents or, you know, no, no, no proof that Barnabas wrote yeah. the book of Hebrews. But, before, but, some, but because it hasn't been confirmed, it's fair game. <laughs> it's fair game. Yeah. And the truth is when you read the book of Hebrews, it's all about how Jesus became the high priest. And we know that Barnabas was of the tribe of Levi. And so he knew all about the inner workings of the priesthood. And so I yeah. see a lot of his heart, even if Paul wrote it, it's so, it's so filled with who Barnabas was. Mm. And of course it's anonymous. Yep. And God is asking us who's willing to be anonymous. Who's willing to rise up in this hour. It doesn't matter if you have children or not. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you gave birth to someone or not. I mean, we're, we're glad if you did, and we bless you if you did, and we bless you if you haven't. Mm. And we're calling for a generation of Barnabases, spiritual fathers who will recognize the writer of the New Testament in a guy who just murdered someone. We need Barnabases in this hour. Yeah. And that's why we're te I teach on this subject. That's why this isn't just, it isn't just for parents. It's for yeah. anyone who wants to leave a legacy in the spirit realm. So good. So good. Okay. So I want to shifting gears here just a, a second. Cause I, I feel like everything that was said really needed to be said, you know, and I know that 
there's gonna it's gonna hit some people right in their core you know like the, the reality is that we need people mobilized we need a mobilized church not just I, again i from like day one doing elijah fire i was like this isn't about being like step aside right step aside boomers step aside it's time for the millennials you know it, i i said if if that's if that's our approach, like that, that type of mentality isn't going to do anything. It's not no. going to do anything constructive. Right. And that we need everyone. And so mine is very much like, hey, baby boomer generation. Hey, even the Gen Xers, like, let's co let's go together after the millennial generation, after yes. the Gen Z generation, even the alphas, we probably got a couple of alpha Gen alphas watching, who knows, uh, or maybe their parents are watching. And, um, and so I think that that's the type of mentality that I see yeah. in the spirit. It, it, that type of an approach is the best approach. I'm saying like, we need everybody. It's all hands on deck. Yes. So, um, yeah. So speaking of all hands on deck, we got the midterms coming up. Come on. Okay. Come what, on. Let's just let's talk about it a little bit. Yes. Okay. What do you got? What do you got to say? I know you got some stuff to say. I do. So I have I and I believe God is doing this. I actually believe God is raising up Oregon as a prototype for the overturn of wicked rulers all wow. over the um, United States. Come on. I believe the best way to break your enemy is to divide and conquer. <laughs> Okay, so in, in Oregon, we're seeing a great division in darkness. We're seeing that uh, the enemy, basically, uh, there's, been a, there's been a split in the Democratic Party. And this really, it's not about parties. It's about righteous judgment and the justice of God and the, the, and the move of God and what is not of God, darkness. And it just so happens at this moment in history, it would be different if we were talking about 1894 when, uh, when Theodore Roosevelt became president. He was also a Republican, but he was very progressive. And he was bringing the kingdom view as a progressive in that season. So this has nothing to do with party. It has to do with what God is doing in the earth. And right mm -hmm. now, God is using Oregon as a prototype. And he's saying, first of all, I called Oregon to be the mother of a righteous women's movement. Wow. And in this hour, I'm bringing women. We've been we've been prophesying it for for quite a while. Uh -huh. Women are coming to the forefront. Women are rising up. It's the mama bears. Mm -hmm. I, I was just listening to a Lance Wallnow um, video the other day. It's the mama bears in school boards, in uh, you know, going in and talking and using their voice, and they're mad. They're angry about what is happening to their children, and mm -hmm. nobody can shut them up. That's right. It is the day of the mama bear. And who would Jesus want to try? I, I, I pity the souls who even try to shut them up. <laughs> Amen. It is the yeah. day and season of the mama bear. Uh -huh. And I believe that when Amy Coney Barrett came to power in on the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. we know that that was a fulfillment of a prophetic word uh, given by Kim Clement years before. Yep. I believe that in the same vein, Christine Drazen has arisen in this hour as a righteous woman in Oregon. Okay. I believe that God has designed her um, for a purpose and given her wisdom for a purpose. And I believe that we need to pray 
for righteous women right now. We need to get behind our righteous women, push them forward, vote for them. We're calling, you know, all hands on deck all over the United States, figure out who is the man or woman of the hour and push them forward. Who's carrying the justice heart of God? Mm. Push them forward. Who is um, advocating for the protection of life? Push them forward. Use your voice. Use your platform. Don't be afraid in this hour. Of course, the the little dogs are going to bite, right? The little foxes are going to bite. Of course, they're going to come for you. They'll come for you either way. So you might as well use your voice. Use your voice and push the righteous candidate forward. Mm. Uh, I, I believe, you know, I, I really strongly believe in Christine Drazen. She, you know, she's, she's a human being, just a human being, but God is using her powerfully. And I believe, um, he's breaking the mocking spirit. There's been a mocking spirit that has arisen against conservative women. Mm. Yeah. We've seen it for years, a discrediting of righteous women. Yeah. A discrediting of any woman who has the audacity to believe in conservative principles. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is being broken in this hour. Yeah. That we, I, I really believe that Amy Coney Barrett is this picture of the dignified conservative woman, mm-hmm. of the yeah. mother, of the righteous judge, the just one who brings righteous judgments on the earth. Mm. And and this is the Proverbs 31 woman. Mm -hmm. And it is breaking the back of this mocking spirit. And I believe as Dutch Sheets prophesied that Oregon is destined to throw Jezebel from from her tower. That is the anointing on Oregon. And I believe it will be a righteous women's movement that throws Jezebel from her tower. Mm. It will be a women, not just in Oregon, but all over the United States, rising up with righteous indignation, mm-hmm. recognizing what is coming against their children. Yeah. And they're going to, it's, there's going to be um, a major, it's like the turning of the tables in the temple. Yeah. Unexpected victory is coming to righteous women all over the United States. Amen. However, and this is this is very important for us to understand. We have a part to play. In 2020, there were some things we missed when it came to the election of of uh, President Trump. Mm hmm. There were some things that Abba had called us to, some repentance that Papa God had called us to. And we had just begun, but there was a lot of prophetic voices in that hour that were merely prophesying, Trump's going to come back, Trump's going to come back, Trump's mm-hmm. going to come back. It was, it was a pattern. Sure. And every time someone would prophesy it, my heart would say, if, mm. if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. Then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. There is a contractual nature to every prophetic word that God speaks. Mm-hmm. There's always a part for us to play. It's like when when um, Joshua 
was face to face with God in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, God said, okay, Joshua, here's the game plan. We're going into the promised land and I'm going to give you every place that you put the sole of your foot. No one will be able to stand against you. I will give you victory over every single enemy and you will claim this land for my people. There's just this thing I need you to do. I need you to meditate upon the word. I need you to speak the word and I need you to do what the word says. And if you will obey my word, then you will have good victory. You will have victory wherever you go. Mm -hmm. It was a contract. There was a contract. And I believe in this hour, since the overturn of Roe versus Wade, God has been saying this thing. If my people, Mm. if my people will not fall asleep right now because they had one victory. If my people will get off their tushies and go and adopt and foster and support families that do. If my people will pray, if my people will repent, if my people will end their agreements and their complicit behavior, if my people will come out from among them and choose to be consecrated to me, then when the elections happen, it will be a solidification of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Hmm. But if my people won't, if my people won't, there's always a contract. And I believe the Lord is saying sons and daughters. So far, I I believe actually the Lord spoke to me. He said, daughter, the church of Oregon is walking in this. They Mm. have broken their agreements. They have repented of their agreements. They've come out from among them. They've called a sacred assembly. They're in prayer and fasting. And this is why I am causing Oregon in this hour to rise up as a prototype. Because the church of Oregon has chosen humility, Mm. has chosen to say, God, it's not on the world. It's on us. Mm -hmm. It's not on the world. It's on us. It's on the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's our responsibility. The world belongs to Jesus, not to darkness. And he placed us in it in order to have spiritual authority to build the kingdom on the earth. It's on us. It's up to us. Mm -hmm. And so I believe in this hour, God is asking us to pray. Mm. And, and God might be even, even be speaking to some of us to fast. And that can look different for each sure. person. There's, there, there's personal freedom to listen to the Holy Spirit. But, you know, sometimes people say, you know, um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And the Lord begins to whisper in prayer. Are you willing to lay down this or that? Are you willing to give up some time on technology? Are you willing to give up some time, you know, maybe maybe conversations, maybe, you know, FaceTiming with friends, maybe going out to have coffee? Are you willing to lay down some things, whatever it is Holy Spirit says to you, to press in, to choose humility, to get low, to lay on your face before the Lord hmm. for the sake of your, 
your county, yeah. for the sake of your public schools, for the sake of your state government, for the sake of your nation. Mm-hmm. I really feel the Lord saying, I'm calling my people right now mm. to get low yeah. before me. Yeah, that's really good. And if, you, if people don't uh, haven't put two and two together, Harmony lives in Oregon. Uh, so do I. So, um, yeah, I would say all of the people, all the the main team, Michael, Illumination, myself, we all live in Oregon as well. So, um, yeah, so it's very much uh, on, on our hearts and on our minds for sure. Um, the significance of these midterms, spe- specifically in Oregon. So, well, and what I would say is God is releasing specific words for every state and specific words for every county. And then there are national words. So there's the national words, the regional words, and then there's like county words. Mm -hmm. And the question is, what is God saying to you about your community? It's so important right now that we hear what God is saying and we begin to write it down. It's, uh, It's so important to steward the words of the Lord. Like I said earlier, What did Dutch Sheets say about Oregon? That Oregon would throw Jezebel from her tower. Hmm. Now, how do I know that? Because I studied the prophetic words that have been spoken over my state. It matters to me. It isn't just my words that matter to me. It's the words, the prophetic words that have been uttered by the fathers and mothers of the nation. Mm -hmm. That we are called to steward on on a, you know, individual basis. Mm -hmm. Each of us can begin to steward the prophetic words that have been spoken over our communities and over our regions. Mm-hmm. And just think of the power. Just think of the authority. If, you know, 10, 20, 30 people, maybe I just see North Carolina right now in my spirit. Uh, you begin to prophesy. You begin to prophesy. You're all prophesying the same words. It's like um, when... Uh, uh, what is his name? Lou Engel. He would go to the Supreme Court with a huge group of people and they would link arms and they would pray the same prayer. God, end abortion and send revival to America. And there was this specific prayer that they would pray every single time. And now what have we seen? The overturn of Roe versus right. Wade. And so God is asking us to become one voice and to begin to prophesy over our communities and Mm -hmm. our states and over this nation. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And I do feel like there was this major, I mean, not me, I don't feel, I know it, this major principality that got dethroned when Roe v. Wade got overturned. Yes. And I said on the show that, people have no idea how good things are about to get in terms of heaven's plans. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, uh, I just, I'm starting to see whispers of that even within like the midterms across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a very exciting time, but like Harmony was saying, and, and um, I had someone explain prophecy prophetic words. And they said it really well, Nate Johnston. Um, he mm-hmm. said, prophetic words are 
invitations they are not inevitabilities and i i thought that was just Woo! like that was that was like the that was the definition that made it was like a light bulb went off in my head in regards to prophecy where i was Come like on. oh and then i started looking at like scripture and and yeah. the history of prophecy and scripture and yes and it, it was just like that was like the that was like the electric jolt that i needed to bring it all to life for me yeah um so yeah so that's exactly what Harmony's talking about where we need yes. to like i always say guys we need to press in and press i would say in. you know i'm one voice but the the voice of the fathers and the mothers are saying the same thing right patricia king is saying the same thing you know, Lou Engel is saying the same thing. The voices of the national fathers and mothers, the apostolic leaders of our national church are saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're saying it's not time to say, well, I think we've won. It's good. We're fine. No, it's time for us to get serious. We thought we were serious, but I feel the Lord saying there's a whole nother level of seriousness. <laughs> there's a whole nother level of warrior prayer. Uh -huh. That is available if you're willing to not fall asleep in the last hour. Think about Jesus. Okay, Jesus, this is so powerful. Jesus was perfect. He was God. And so you might think, you know, what need did he have for people's prayers? But the truth is, in his moment of agony, what did he ask his disciples to do? To pray for him. Mm -hmm. Now, now you know what we, you know, we can think think that through. We can think about the doctrine of it, et cetera, et cetera. But the way it hits my heart, you know, just just the way it hits my spirit is, God is asking His people to partner with Him and to understand that he is desiring that partnership as much as or even more than we are. Uh-huh. Yeah. There absolutely. are things that are not going to happen unless we get our with it. It's mm -hmm. time for us to get with it. It's time for us to pick up the sword. It's time for us to be powerful in the spirit realm and mm -hmm. not to just yield it over to darkness. Now we hear a lot about the public schools, et cetera, et cetera. And what I say all the time is you, if you want to see transformation, you're going to need to be the transformation you want to see. It's so important that we don't just allow the enemy to have his way. Right. We need to get involved. And the first way we get involved is to pray. So it's not time to, to think we have it in the bag. It's not time to stop. It's time to press even harder mm -hmm. to keep moving forward. And it's, you know, it's really simple. If you begin to steward those prophetic words, I totally encourage anybody who's watching or listening to look up Dutch Sheets. It was Dutch Sheets and that one amazing prophet who he does like all the Jewish holidays. His name just fell out of my head. It's not James Kahn. Uh, no, he's an, an older gentleman. Um, but, uh, maybe somebody in the comments knows. He's he's a he's a the minute you hear we hear his name, we're gonna be like, of course, can't believe I forgot that name. Bobby anyway, Connor, not they Bobby Connor. Book together, Lu, Luango, Kurt Landry, Kurt Landry. No, no. All right. They wrote a book together, prophetic words over every state in the nation. 
And we need those words. We need to steward Chuck Pierce. Yes, Elizabeth just put it on. Chuck uh, Pierce. Yes. Thank you, they, Carissa and Elizabeth. Yes, thank you very Tied. much. So we these are the fathers, the prophetic fathers of the and Steve Schultz as well. These are the prophetic fathers of our nation. Mm -hmm. And and they have released specific words over every single state. It's time to get them out and to begin to prophesy them. Yeah. They're in a book. They're already written for us. We can just pull them out and be like, you know, Florida, this is what God is saying over you. You know, we know Tennessee, ten I just I just happen to know a few of them. Tennessee, you are the volunteer army. Like, let's prophesy what the what what God is saying over every region. And if you if you're like, I don't think there are any prophetic words over our my city. It's time for you to prophesy. It's time for you. God will give you a word for your city. And usually, you know what you can do? You can look and see what is the opposite? What is the enemy doing in my city right now? Yeah. The opposite is what God wants. Mm -hmm. So begin to prophesy. If you have an addiction issue, begin to prophesy encounter. This city will be a place where the weighty kabod of God lives. Yeah. Just begin to prophesy and you'll see, really you know, good. and get people together, prophesy together, mm -hmm. use your voice. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now back to the show. Amen. Yes. Okay. So I would love for you to pray in regards to this, but then also what we talked about earlier, because that was a big deal for some people as well. Yeah, let's pray. Let's just pray right now. Um, who I feel the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're so good. You're so present right now. You're with us. You're with us and you're doing something and you're taking risks. I, f I hear you saying I'm a risk taking God. <laughs> mm, God, you're the God of adventure. You're taking us on an adventure. Yeah, I see a picture of uh, somebody jumping out of an airplane. I don't know if anybody on the on you know in the comments if any of you have ever jumped out of an airplane, but I see God is the master. Um, you know, the the two people they jump out of the airplane together, and you're in the front, and then the master jumper is in the back, and they help you jump out of the airplane, and and then they you know they make sure that you survive. <laughs> and I hear the Lord saying, "I am the master jumper, I am the great adventurer, I am the risk taker, and I'm asking my people to get out of the boat, like I did with Peter." I told him to get out of the boat. I told him to come to me on the water. I wanted him to walk with me on the waves. I hear the Lord saying, it's time to take risks. I hear the Lord saying, I have given, I see a, a really interesting, unique business idea that one of you has, it's already dropped down in your spirit, maybe in the past few months, but it takes massive risk. And I hear the Lord saying, I I am the one who gave you the idea. So the risk is mine, not yours. It's not a risk to your finances. It's my risk. 
I'm the one who takes the price. I'm the one who carries the responsibility because I'm the one who said you should do it. I hear uh, the Lord saying there are a couple of you, I see the number two, called to ministry. You were, God has asked you to step out of the boat of your normal nine to five into ministry realms. He's asking you, I hear the word outreach. I see evangelism. And if this speaks to anyone, if you just want to drop a comment, I see the Lord saying over you, I am going before you to create relationships for you. But it's more about what you do in the city center. I see like a park and a tent. And I see, I hear the Lord saying evangelism, evangelism over you. Take the risk with me. I am the great adventurer and I'm calling my people to go on an adventure with me. I hear the Lord saying there, there's a couple of you. I see um, the number three, actually, and I, I'm not sure exactly what those numbers mean, if it's three people, but I'm just releasing what the Lord is giving me at this moment. I hear the Lord saying, I've called you to the realms of government. There's some of you that um, I, I hear like a PCPs. Um, school boards. I hear the Lord saying, I'm calling you to local government. I'm calling you to infiltration. And I hear the Lord saying, um, "There's I've been raising up examples of this throughout the nation, and I'm going to raise up more. I hear the Lord saying, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, you will become the next wave of city mayors. I hear the Lord saying, I'm releasing leaders in wow. this hour to infiltrate government positions. Some of those positions are behind the scenes and some of those positions are in the front. And I hear the Lord saying, city manager, those of you who will have uh, influence over the finances of cities, I'm raising up righteous leaders in city finance in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you're raising up fivefold ministers. It's not about titles. It's about influence and impact and infiltration. Influence, impact, and infiltration. God is sending out his warriors into the seven mountains of society. And he's giving you territory, very specific pieces of territory. And I hear the Lord saying, I want you to stay focused like a laser. Don't get too spread out and remember to rest because what I'm calling you to, it's for you. It's for you to walk in. It's for you to own, but not everything is for you to own. You're not supposed to be the solution to every problem, but there are specific problems that I'm releasing my ministers into to solve in their cities, to solve in their schools, to solve in their governments. Oh God. Thank you for what you're saying over your people right now. You are increasing the influence of your bride right now in, in, the, in the government, in the city, in the city square. Yes, Lord, your influence is growing. And I hear the Lord saying it's because my people have stewarded well what I have given them so far. And so I am increasing their stewardships in this hour. I hear the Lord saying you've allowed me to parent you. You've humbled yourself. And I hear the Lord saying, don't be afraid to get lower. Let me humble you even more. Won't you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that in due season, he might exalt himself 
within you. I hear the Lord saying in this season, I'm releasing the, the, the financial, the needs. I'm releasing the blessings to meet the needs so that you can go and do what you thought was impossible. I hear the Lord saying financial breakthrough to the giver and to the steward. Yes, those who have been faithful with five, now I will double your stewardship. Those who have been faithful with two, now I will double your stewardship in Jesus' name. Mm. Father God, thank you. Thank you. Yes. And Lord, if there is anyone, actually see a, I see a couple of prodigal children. I hear the Lord saying it is the season of the return of the prodigal. Oh, it is man. the pig pen season. <laughs> In this moment, woo, I feel the Holy Spirit. God is saying the eyes of the prodigal are opening in the spirit realm. And in their hearts, they are saying, how many servants in my father's house have enough to eat? I will return to my father's house and I will say, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven and I'm not worthy to be called a son, but make me as a servant in your house. Today is a pig pen moment and the eyes of the prodigal are opening in Jesus name. We prophesy to you open in the name of Jesus. Yes. See in the name of Jesus. Come back to your family in the name of Jesus. I see a transgender child. Wow. Who, who is, has been living that lifestyle has been wow. living in brokenness and woundedness and hurt in pain. And I see the eyes being opened in the mm. spirit realm and they begin to say how many I'm here. I am starving in the pig pen. I will return to my father's house. Oh God, we praise you and thank you in Jesus name for the life of this incredible transgender person. I, I believe it's a, a man who who's living as a woman. And I hear the Lord saying, you're coming back, oh man of God. You're mm. coming back to your sonship. You're coming back to your wholeness. You're coming back to your purpose. You're coming back to belonging. And we love you in Jesus name. Mm. We love you. You are amazing. You are important. You are seen and valued as you are. We yes. call you home in Jesus name. Mm -hmm. Wow. Amen. Wow. Yes. Amen. And uh, just an, uh, to add on to what you were talking about with even just people entering into um, governmental positions, uh, I saw this image of, uh, I even saw there was somebody in here, I think Linda um, was saying that, you know, you'd felt called to government for quite a while. And, and I really feel like, um, I know there's, I know of some other people who feel the same way. Um, and God, what's happening very soon within the, these midterms is actually going to open the door for other people. It's actually going to, it's almost like a, a major excavation, uh, that's happening. That's, that's paving the way for, um, so many different types of people. And, and I got this image of, of many of you who've, who've been conditioned You've been set apart by God in quiet seasons being, um, you know, God's been working through some stuff. You've been training. You know, it's been like a training season and you're like this perfectly conditioned racehorse at the starting gate and you're just chomping at the bit ready to go. And so just be, be ready, be alert. Your season is about to, you're about to enter into that season. That starting gate is going to drop 
and you're going to be able to just charge forward. So be expectant, get excited, but continue to press into the Lord and allow him to condition you because there's just, you're almost there. So be encouraged. Yeah. I think that was a word for me. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, thank <laughs> Thanks, you. God. <laughs> wow. You don't know the words that have been spoken over my life. Mr. Jeff doesn't know the words that no, have been spoken over I my don't. life, but I have been prophesied a racehorse many times. Are you serious? Yeah. What? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, I received I, I mean, just ask Krista. I uh I'm kind of famous for doing that. <laughs> just so like I love it. Say stuff just in passing, and she's like, Whoa, you have no idea what you just said. <laughs> like, I don't. That's uh yeah, that's part of my charm, I guess. Um so yeah. Um yeah, man. This is um I'm just I I I'm just so excited for what God is doing on the earth and yes. just um i love that you just really hit home that point about just wars aren't they're a series of battles it's not just oh we're going to start one battle oh, we won it's a series of battles and yeah. some of them will be small and some of them will be large but each one is significant yeah. and um and so that's that's the season that we've entered into is Amen. um we and i really feel like we've begun this it's it's a it's a different type of it's a different type of warfare it's a different we're yeah. entering into a new era of uh the kingdom so um yeah this is a very exciting time praise god so. praise god all right harmony how can people follow you plug your book you got a new book Yes. So my new book is called Kitchen Table Kingdom, and it's available on my website, which is heartheirvoices.net. Um, my first book is called Hear Their Voices, and it's uh, the Kitchen Table Kingdom is a parenting curriculum, but it's also meant to bring healing to my generation. Mm -hmm. um, if you've struggled with your identity, if you've struggled with orphan mentality, orphan behaviors, if you've struggled with competition, comparison, um, those types of things, this book would bring massive healing to you. And also it would uh, equip you to mentor and to pour into our generation and the next generation, Gen Z. How do you mentor a generation that is carrying the orphan spirit? And if you're a parent or a grandparent, this book is for you. I mean, it is an in-depth uh, parenting curriculum, and um, it's it's meant to empower parents to raise apostolic children, children who are filled with the Holy Spirit, on fire for Jesus, who know how to use their voices. It deals with sexual discipleship. We have a whole two, actually two chapters full of information on sexual discipleship, topics that are not being talked about in the church, like suicide, homosexuality, transgenderism. How do you raise children who are strong and confident in their gender? We talk about all those issues and also just, you know, things like how to build routines and rituals in your home so that your children can be successful. So it's a powerful tool for parents and grandparents and anyone who would like healing from the orphan spirit. Mm. And then my, my first book, Hear Their Voices, is really the story of how we became foster and adoptive parents and anyone who wants uh, the, the truth about what's going on in foster care and adoption and you're interested maybe your heart is pinging even as i'm talking because abba is releasing the spirit of adoption 
over every person that's hearing me and it's happening in the nation as well. And you're like, yeah, I do. I want to know more about that. I want to know more about this crazy family and what they're doing to raise seers and profits. Um, this book, Hear Their Voices, is for you. So you can go on my website. Um, I'm also going to be teaching my second Kitchen Table Kingdom class in January. Woo. You can find out more about that on my website. That's right. Oh, how was the first one? Oh, my goodness. 45 parents from Come all on. over the nation. There we go. They, it was incredible. We've seen many, many miracles. And actually, what's the next step and part of my vision is to raise up Kitchen Table Kingdom small groups all over the nation. So cool. So we have families that are going to begin having a group in their home where they can learn about how to raise a generation of warrior children. Love it. Love it. Harmony, thank you so much. I just, this was so fantastic. This is a perfect end to the week for me. Um, and I know for a lot of other people, it was just like, uh, you know, it just felt really good. So thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Elijah Fire is so important to me personally. Mm. You, your ministry is such a blessing. Mm. Um, and I, I see Elijah Fire. <laughs> I see a fire blower. I see like, you know, like you see on movies, like <laughs> fire. Yes, yeah. yes. I see fire being um, thrown, being blown and just setting things on fire. And I have Come to be on you know, the way that it's impacted my life and my heart. I'm just so grateful for what you're doing mm. here, Jeff. And I just, I celebrate you. So oh, thank you. Thank you. Amen. I like that. The more fire Lord in Jesus name. So um, yeah, everybody, that is our show. Have an amazing, amazing weekend. Obviously, if you're not watching this live, keep those testimonies coming about, you know, if, if, something that harmony prophesied really resonated with you um you know also if you've got prayer um uh, prayer requests put them in the comments and then everyone else you know what to do especially if you're in those older generations and you're looking for somebody this is the perfect opportunity to just partner with somebody in prayer if they need prayer um so it, we just got to mobilize and so we're going to do our part as much as we can here at elijah fire to provide that opportunity so, um, and just keep reminding you of what God is calling you to be. So, um, everybody have an amazing weekend, uh, tune in on Monday. Again, just a reminder, we've starting our next series with DeMonte, the fivefold ministry explained. It's going to be a four part series. It's going to be so good, you guys. So you're not going to want to miss that, especially if you're a newer, newer believer, this is a perfect opportunity to understand what the purpose of the church is is what the kingdom desires the church to be and what it will become and so uh it's it's very exciting very exciting you guys it's gonna be a perfect final uh series for the end of the year just to get us ready for this next year it's gonna be great so tune in then also there's a donation link at the end elijahfire.com donate all of that money goes towards making sure this stays free five days a week that we can continue to run it and then also we're digging wells across the pond, across the pond over in Uganda and also here as well. Uh, so uh, all that money is going to go towards that as well. So be blessed you guys. We'll see you on Monday, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. 
Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.